this is the Q&A day that we have together. I really enjoy it. Getting great questions. So first of all, I want to make a couple of comments for those that are joining us. I've been getting a whole bunch of emails about your own personal blackout stories. So I want to just say thank you for those. Some of them are really incredible. Uh, thank you to Orit for her email to me and, uh, and her story of how she was able to stay strong in it. Uh, thank you to a woman in Medina who reached out to me this morning. And the story here that is fascinating that I hope people are appreciating is Medina seemed to have lost power in the middle of the Seder. Can you imagine that? And understand this year we had fr Thursday, Friday, Shabbat. So if you were, uh, if you don't do work during that period of time, that's three days of you're in like this zone of, it's like Shabbat, right? It's three days of ho two holidays and Shabbat. Her power went out in the middle of that for 48 straight hours. That's insane. That's real stuff in the middle of a Seder. I can only imagine. Um, but what's nice about this is that in her email, this is exactly what we're talking about. I'm just going to read a piece of the email. Um, so it goes out mid-Seder. Mid and she says to herself now, um, here, listen to this line that is exactly what we're talking about. She said, we survived on candles. And the story we tell ourselves now is that if we survived a three-day holiday without power and the pandemic, right? This is going on this year. We can certainly do anything. And that's what we're getting at, which is when you begin the process of engaging in challenge from a position of a workout. When I go into a workout, when I engage in, if I'm an athlete and I engage in any level of activity, if I'm a soldier and I engage in any training, if I'm a doctor and I engage in the training, whatever I'm doing, if my mentality is when I engage in something difficult, I'm going to get stronger from it. You go into it differently and then you come out of it differently. So that's how we need to look at life. When we engage in, hopefully we don't get challenges thrown at us. Like let's hope it doesn't happen. But if it does happen, if we approach it from the perspective of, I am going to gain something from this experience. It's not purposeless. And then when it's done, you identify, I've gained something from it. Now you're giving purpose to the pain. And one of the most important ways to increase empowerment and happiness in challenge is giving purpose to pain. And we're going to talk about that in the next week when we deal with the positives gratitude, meaning, purpose. These are all techniques for engaging in challenge, but here's sort of a story where we, we did this. So thank you for that. And thank you for those that, that, that jumped in. I want a line I want to read from Rebecca. This is a great line that we have been talking about a lot. Uh, if you're persistent, you'll get it. If you're consistent, you'll keep it. I think we should somehow, Andy, we should think about a way to create like a, um, 
some meme that could come from the show. But this is definitely uh, something to keep from Rebecca. Thank you very much. And I'm actually going to post this onto the chat to everybody so that you have it in front of you. I think it's a great line. So thank you for that, Rebecca. Um, okay. Um, now let, let's, let me go through what, what has been sort of a consistent question. And again, I'm sorry if I'm missing people. I'm just trying to go through the different emails live here. Um, I seem to be getting a bunch of questions about journaling. Um, one came from Solomon. One came from Yechiel. I got one in just a few hours ago on the same question. There seems to be a, a question about how do we journal? So let me, let's break it down a little bit because it's critical. And for those of you who've been paying attention this week, um, we've, I didn't even fully appreciate until afterwards, the nun study that we spoke about yesterday, which is the study that followed the nuns throughout their lives and found that the ha happiest ones lasted, you know, lived the longest and were the healthiest. It really was through their journals, right? So let's get into this a little bit right now. Meaning the journal is, could be a really great place in which you are solidifying a happier, more empowered way of seeing the world. Because what will happen is, if you're doing it correctly, you're gonna review your journal. So let me give you the ideal, and then you can, we can figure out what, what works. But let me give you the ideal. The ideal way to journal is to identify something, whether it's a notebook or it's a computer, but something. It's not like, you're not grabbing papers. And to identify a period of time that is consistent throughout your week. Ideally, not during the middle of your day, unless you're doing things that lead, lead itself to quiet. If you go out to lunch every day and you have a moment to breathe, if you're on a train every day, right? If you're in a car every day, then you're not driving, etc. If you don't have a life where you're always doing something midday, usually you're never going to find the time. Ideally, you do everything in the morning. That's my own personal opinion. Whenever you do a ritual, you put it into the morning because the morning is where you have most of your willpower so you can overcome all the challenges that go to any new rituals. So you pick your spot in the morning. Don't make it too long. So like if you miss it, like, you know, don't make it an hour and a half. 10, 15 minutes is plenty to get started. If you really enjoy, you can increase it. But if you start adding lots of time to your day, you're never going to continue with it. And really what you're doing is you're trying to identify highlights that are important to you. You're not just writing the checklist. You're not writing the schedule of today's or yesterday's activities, unless that's really important. What you're really trying to do is identify something, an insight, an idea, something that you're thinking about, something that you're feeling. To me, one of the most powerful journals that I've ever done was the night of Sandy, Hurricane Sandy hit our neighborhood. I remember it being in the house when the lights went off, candles on the dining room table, and I'm journaling. And so much happened after that. I can't even tell you, Sandy. We, we had to leave our house in the middle of the night with the kids and the morning and the, the, the blackouts and the damage, 
forget it. We got, it took us weeks to get over Sandy. I mean, thank God everyone was healthy and thank God there wasn't massive damage, but whatever, it was inconvenient. But the journal that I had before it all happened, when I was in the house, it was powerful because I was able to go back to a period of time that I couldn't remember. And it was feelings. It wasn't like I'm sitting home with candles. It was, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm thinking. So really the journal allows you to share thoughts that are unended, that are unresolved. Because then you can go back and see what you were thinking in that period of time, see what you were, you know, how you were analyzing. And then you can help your, it allows your mind to get better. And that is really what you're looking for. You're looking to get in your head. So you, I can almost see a journal this week being like, it's a blackout. I know it's not a big deal, but it's inconvenient and I'm feeling frustrated. Da, 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 da. And then the next day with it going, I can't believe the lights turned back on. I really should have been happier. I should, should have been empowered. The next time this happens, right? You're reflecting on your thinking. You're reflecting on your, you're trying to get into your insights. Even if it's a few lines, but you're just, and if you have nothing to, to write, then write whatever you can write. But the goal is to write, but to try to think about your thinking and your feelings so that you can capture it. So as your day goes on and your feelings change, you get to go back and see how you think about scenarios. You get to track things. Years ago, I remember being burnt financially by a few different people on a bunch of deals in a row. And I remember like learning, like, why was I so excited? And I remember going back in my journal and being like, okay, whenever this happens, you can get very excited, be careful. People talk, listen to what they do. Like, and I learned the pattern of how to protect myself from people that don't really know what they're doing financially in, in a transactional basis, but they say they do. Do that at some point during your weekend on a Sunday, on a Friday, I usually do nothing on Shabbat. Shabbat is really my total disconnection. Read it. Sunday morning, cup of coffee, early in the morning, read your whole journal. Read your week. And you'll start to really get an insight as to who you are and how you think. And that'll inform Monday's journal or Sunday's journal. That's how to do it. Um, I hope that answers a whole bunch of questions. Um, there is no right or wrong way. It's just like everything in life, be consistent. And that's really the, the, the approach here. Okay, I wanna read something that we got from uh, a guy named Joe. Joe sent me this incredible email from his next door neighbor, a man named Mr. Middleman. Listen to this, this is so critical. Mr. Middleman was a survivor of Auschwitz. His wife was sent to an orphanage by her parents. They never saw the parents again and they encountered unspeakable horrors. When I moved, this is Joe's email to me. I just think it was so incredible. When I moved next door, I adopted them as my grandparents. They're, his grandparents had already passed. Um, until his passing last year, I was fortunate to bask in his faith, wisdom and stories and his link to the past. He grew a lot from him. Now, one day there was a terrible, terrible blizzard in Detroit. And we encountered tremendous difficulties in getting through the snow in his wheelchair. He did. To be honest, I was frustrated and all sorts of thoughts invaded my mind. Okay, so I'm picturing him pushing Mr. Middleman in a wheelchair in the snowstorm. Suddenly, Mr. Middleman looked up and proclaimed, I am so happy that it is freezing cold and I'm in a blizzard. After a minute of my bewilderment, he said, do you know why? His reply left an indelible impression on me. 
because if I, he says, because if I wouldn't be happy, I would still be freezing and still be in a blizzard. What I didn't know at the time was the source of his mindset. Many years later, during a conversation on his porch, in the 90 degree weather in Tisha he revealed to me a story that changed his life forever. He was freezing cold in Auschwitz. In, De- in Auschwitz. And s- him and several boys were standing together, staring at a smoke bellowing out of the crematoria. Mr. Lindemann explained, I never thought it would be possible for me to explain you the feelings of despair and hopelessness that we felt. We didn't know if our parents, siblings, or friends were inside. And it was a matter of time before our number would be, would be up. All of a sudden, a 20-year-old Alter Bucher, Alter Bucher is Yiddish for an older boy, began screaming on top of his lungs. I am so happy that I'm in Auschwitz. He screamed it over and over and over again. The other boys were crushed at one another that their beloved friend had lost his mind in Auschwitz. As they carried the boy back to the barracks, the boy began to speak. Whether I'm happy or not, I'm in Auschwitz. I'm starving, frostbitten, sickly, and most of my family, teachers, and friends have been murdered. Nothing I do or say can change right now. I choose to be happy. I choose to be happy. That boy, Mr. Milliman continues, choked up, never made it out alive, but his legacy lives through me and I have passed down to my children, to my friends. From that day on, Mr. Middleman told me he chose to be happy. I've never heard him claim about anything. That is the story that he sent me. Is that unbelievable? Is that exactly what we're talking about? Mr. Middleman, I choose to be happy in Auschwitz. Joe Seligson, thank you so much for that email. That, by the way, is what we are talking about. It is worth it just for that story. I choose to be happy in Auschwitz. Uh, yeah, Steve, it's very much Victor Frankel-esque. So thank you for that. But that, that really is something that we should be, uh, you know, that should be an expression. We should have, Andy, you should take, take, some, take notes of the expressions that we have here on the boost. One of them should be, I choose to be happy in Auschwitz. Um, it's such a, it's such, thank you, Joe. Joe just popped up. What an incredible, incredible, incredible story. Okay, one more question here. Uh, how much time do we have? We have actually have time for more than one more question. Okay, I saw a question here from Alicia from South Africa. Okay, Alicia's asking a great question about faith and effort. Here's what he says. I put pressure on myself to achieve something spiritual or secular. When I don't achieve the goal, I'm disappointed and frustrated with myself. Now here's the catch 22. If God's running the world, is he doing it or am I doing it? How do I overcome the setback? Okay, so let me just sort of delve into this question because it's very powerful and very deep. If you're, if you're a person of faith, you believe that God runs the world. And you believe that when someone encounters a setback, that setback isn't your setback. It's God not wanting it to happen, right? So if you believe that, then how do you ever do anything? Because if you're supposed to work, then wait, we're, the effort is giving you the success, right? Well, if God's giving you the success, then why should you work so hard? He can just give it to you. But if you're giving the success, then where does God fit in? Okay, so that's a very complicated topic. So let me just give you a couple of things, and I'll just throw some bullet points for those that are in this space, and I'll settle on one approach. One bullet point is that if God is in you, right, then what's you? 
if you're a soul and you're a piece of God, then even the things you're doing really come from God. So it's a little bit complex. Digest it because it can blow your mind as to where you start and he and God ends. And this is something that we've discussed. I've personally been in, in, um, in study groups where this, this uh, topic has been run up and it's hours of fighting and it's just so hard to wrap your head around, but, but let's, let's, um, um, let's sort of give it a little bit uh, uh, more practical approach. I heard this approach from a rabbi of mine years ago. Here's how the approach goes. When you live your life, whatever in front of you is effort. In Hebrew, the word is called hishtadlut, which is effort or doing your part. Whatever is in front of you is your effort. Whatever behind you is God. Okay, so what that means is like this. God runs the world. We can influence our perspective and our work. So how the world works is beyond us, right? Why does one person get this one person? We have no idea. So very likely the effort that you put in is going to give you a result because of your efforts. And had you not put in that effort, it never would have happened. So when you approach something, you have to understand that there's God inside you, but you have to give it your all because that's your job. Your job is to put effort into things. Now you got to pick what the right things are. But your job in this world is to act with as much smarts and effort as you can. Once the thing is done, once it's over, you can't beat yourself up because you don't know if you did everything you're supposed to be doing, but there was some larger reason why it didn't happen. And since you don't know that the mind of God, you assume what was in the past is faith and it didn't happen for that reason. And you can learn from it, but you can't get, you can't regret about it. So let's just review this. What's in front of you is effort. I want to do something. I want to accomplish something. I got to put in all the effort to do so. I can't sit back and go, God, take care of it. I'm going to put all my effort in. And by the way, some of effort is prayer and some of the effort is faith, but it's effort. Work hard, think well, do your thing. Choose what you're going to work on. Do your tasks every single day. Wake up in the morning, journal, write, do your thing. When it's over, when the kid's out of the house, right? When the, the, this thing happened or that thing happened, whatever it is, you have to allow the understanding that the world's bigger than you. And even if you did everything possible, it still may not have happened for reasons outside you. And so you can learn from the past but you can't regret things in the past. What you regret is you didn't put enough effort in, but that's not a circumstance. You regret the effort. But even that regret is not a very Jewish concept. Um, we're, we are very much not into regret. That's why we're constantly apologizing for things because we, we're cleaning out all the time. We don't hold on to grudges. And, and we don't, well, that's not how we roll. We try to grow, but the idea that we're holding on to the past is not a very, um, very Jewish way. Um, okay, I hope that's helpful. Um, let's do one more. Um, let's see what we have here. Um, 
Oh, this one's already compiled. Right, we're not doing this one. Oh, let's do one more from the chat and then we'll call it. It's already 920. Um, I saw that Yoni just asked the question. Is there a way to get a new boost of willpower in the middle of the day? The answer is yes, of course. Willpower is a finite resource, but there's a lot of finite. It doesn't mean finite like gas. It means it's you can you could you could exhaust it, but you can pull it back and get more a by belief and b by by switching and altering. So um, let's do it in two ways. Number one. We don't know how much willpower we have. So we assume, let's assume I have 100 units of energy. Let's assume I have 200 units of energy. I just, I just have, I never dug past pain. So it's the Navy SEALs concept, the 40% rule, right? Let's assume I think I have five miles in me, but if I'm joining the SEALs and I hit mile five and I'm like, I'm done, they're like, oh no, when you think you can't do it anymore, you've only hit 40%, which means you have 12 miles in you. So willpower is finite, but remember, we don't know when it's over. So the one way you deal with loss of willpower is you just push through the pain because you don't know how deep you can really go. You may be protecting yourself to having and stopping before you need to stop. So one way you get more willpower is you just start to get used to working in pain. The second way you get more willpower is you switch. If you're doing something and you get blocked, you find something else to do. And the switch brings in variety and newness and freshness, and that's an emotional pop. You do something new, there's always like that in, initial emotional curiosity and freshness. The third way that you get uh, more power, it's not by disengaging, it's by engaging in something enjoyable and meaningful. So I'm not a huge fan of zoning out. You need it. I don't know how much, but I am a huge fan of taking a break to do something else that could still be productive, but regenerate your energy. So for example, let's assume you're reading a book and you're mid work day and you're burning out. Let's say if you go down to the lunch area with your book and you read your book or you journal or you listen to something, you're feeling productive, but it's a total switch for what you're doing, which allows you to come back and be stronger. Let's assume you exercise midday. Let's assume you do something that is, you, you call somebody. So a lot of times in life, if you're doing something consistently and you hit a wall, either it's because you have a lot more in you, but you can't, you don't work through the pain, or maybe another way to get more power is to switch, do something that's more productive and enjoyable, and then come back to it. So those are two ways. Okay. Thanks everybody for an incredible week. Um, yeah. And just a shout out also to Beirut, Lebanon, also very much in my mind, because my father, remember our family is Syrian, but we stopped through Beirut on the way to the split to America. So Beirut is very much in our family, um, the Paris, the Malice. So it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. Um, it's amazing what's happened to the, our ancestry. You know, my father is Syrian. So if you look at where we came from, we come from Aleppo, Syria and Beirut, Lebanon. That's the path of the Hararis into, the, into America. Both cities have been totally destroyed. It's amazing what was once. Hope everyone's having a Shabbat Shalom um, and, um, and, a, and a great weekend. And with God's help, I cannot wait to see you again next week. We're going to really delve into 
um, to a little bit more with God's help with the happiness. Okay, have a great weekend. And with God's help, we can't wait to see you again.